Hey, everybody, this is Sean McVeigh coming to you with another episode of the Vet Med Mind. I, I can't think of a better guest to kind of um, talk to when I think about success in veterinary medicine. As you know, we started this podcast to kind of move away from gloom and doom and talk more about success stories in veterinary medicine, in particular, uh, success stories as viewed through the individual's prism, because I think we tend to define success as monetary, define it as how big your business is, et cetera. And success is different things to different people. And so um, our guest is Dr. Jill Clark. Uh, Dr. Jill Clark has so so many accolades and so much that I could read about her resume, if you will, but I don't want it to come off like that. So we're just going to kind of disclose that we've known each other for a little while and get into it right away. So hi, Joe Clark. How you doing? (laughs) I'm so great, Sean. So happy to be with you today. Thank you. You're one of my favorite people, by the way. So I'll throw that out there right up front. Thanks. I was reading through some of the pre-can questions we have, and I thought, well, this is going to be just a virtual love fest. But uh, it's true. It's true. Since uh, since Jill and I met each other, and I was trying to think back, I I, I remember in uh, that little town south of California, south of San Francisco, uh, I came and spoke there for a VCA gig. Uh, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? That beach town that everybody, Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz. Wow. I remember that. And then I, I'm trying to remember before that, if I came out to, to Los Angeles, but do you recall what's your first recollection of our meeting? It's It's got to be like early 2000 somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's been a minute, but uh, every time I see you, it's like a, we've never been separated. So it's mm-hmm. great to see you today. Well, our paths have crossed in many ways professionally, but uh, I want to talk about success with you because yep. I think you're successful <laughs> and I've always thought you're successful. There are, uh, I always say to my clients and to uh, people that I have the opportunity to consult with that are struggling with team dynamics, uh, I always talk to them about if you didn't get what you were supposed to get from your parents, you can kind of get this family of choice. And you can, one of the beautiful things about veterinary medicine and the way that we love our staff, there's good and bad to that. But one of the beautiful things is we have a chance to create an environment where people can heal from people wounds, as well as from uh, physiological wounds. And to me, you've always embodied the ideal veterinarian in my mind and that you got that you seem to intuitively get that people matter that people are a big part of the equation that not all employees and people are cut from the same cloth like you had what we now call emotional intelligence Uh, i feel like you always had innate emotional intelligence and that's one of the things that made me attracted you as a person and so do you think that's true i mean do you think that you've had that or what do you attribute that that presence you have, because frankly, you're like a light. You kind of have this uh, glow ring around you that we now use in social media, but it's good. It's positive. It's, it's never schmaltzy. It's, it's genuine. So what do you attribute that to if it's true? Yeah. Well, first off, I'm humbled by you saying this because I, you've had such amazing success as well, but honestly, I think it's, it's just this sense of gratitude and, um, I, you know, veterinary medicine is a second career for me. So I was in for I spent 17 years in in working on movies and documentaries and commercials in L.A. and across the country and actually across the world. And um, it, it was it was fun. It was wonderful, but it was never fulfilling. I didn't like I didn't feel like I was doing anything good for the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I worked on horror movies. And I was like, I can't even kill another person. It's just making me crazy. You know, I so, 
it was just such a it was such a keeping up kind of business. Um, grateful for it, but. I got a chance to work with a bunch of big actors and learn a thing called ego management that we call that in the film business, which I think yes. translates really well to, to, um, to veterinary medicine. But in the film business too, I would say that the, the real hardworking people are the people behind the camera and they don't get any credit whatsoever, but they work so hard night and day. And I think when I came to veterinary medicine one, I had a sense of gratitude about just being able to be in this profession and feel like I was finally giving back, mm-hmm. but, but to have kind of be a champion, I think for people who don't always get the, the accolades. And that's why you'll see a lot of my focus on educations for CSRs and vet assistants and who are the orphans of education and the orphans of really acknowledgement in the practice. Well, let's, let's, and again, I love the organic uh, nature of the conversation. So let me back up. Uh, You know, before I knew Dr. Clark as a veterinarian, she had this whole other career. And I, you know, I I always want to give guests time to talk about whatever they want to talk about. And I think that this, but I didn't want to be like a, Ooh, Hollywood, let's talk about Hollywood. And so, uh, but I do think it's fascinating. And if, if you don't mind uh, the way I just want to characterize what you just said was, it sounds like you experienced being around unsatisfied people, unhappy people, and also being in a career that you may have had some passion for, but it wasn't the right fit for you, right? So you yeah. experienced that at a very young age. So, because I think you, I think you said something about once I might've had a glass or three of wine, but you had said something about uh, uh, Disney and Kurt Russell. And and is did I hear that right? Because you were a child actor, right? I yes, I, I was in um, a couple of movies when I was young. Where the Red Fern Grows was one of them. Another mo- oh. movie called Tex, which was um, Matt Dillon, Emilio Estevez, Meg Tilly, and wow. um, it, then I jumped to the other side of the camera. But being a uh, honestly, Sean, I had no idea. I was just a kid. Like I was just. It was just fun. I got out of school, and you know, I was were you? schooled on the set nine for the first one, and I think wow. I was like thirteen or something, fourteen. Maybe. Hold on, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I know <laughs> you as a country girl from Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and so how did you? What was the Hollywood connection? Well, they were doing open auditions for Red Fern. Um, they were doing open auditions around the country. Uh-huh. And so they were coming to towns and and basically interviewing a bunch of people. And we lived on a farm only because of me. I was the only one that had to have a horse in the whole family. The rest of people would have been happy in a high rise somewhere, but uh-huh. in my family. But and they I we went to an audition and and I just like jabbered on about my chickens and cows and stuff like that. And I don't know, they just they seem seemed like it was a match and got uh-huh. to be in that movie. And it was really an incredible experience. But again, I didn't really, I didn't think about it as being as being something special. I just thought it was like it's really just cool. Your life, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then, but it speaks to, again, you know, it's like the fact that you, everywhere you go in your life, you seem to make an impact. And I, I appreciate that because I think that's something we have in common uh, is that it's not enough unless we're making a difference. It's not like why spend the time doing it if it can't be like earth shattering, <laughs> if it can't move paradigms, if it can't, you know, impact in a big way. And so I appreciate that about you. So uh, tell me the story of veterinary medicine to just for our listeners to when we started working professionally, which is ignite. So we're, so that's going to get, it's a lot of time, but just what happened in that time frame? 
Yeah, so I I, uh, I graduated from vet school. Of course, like every other person, I'll back up to that. I worked as a veterinary assistant and CSR and every other thing to pay help me get through vet, vet school, um, which I was very grateful to have that experience kind of in tandem with, with going to school. But I practiced and joined a six-doctor practice in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with some amazing veterinarians who were just more than mentors, you know, they're just, they're still like, if you, you know, people always say, find the people that made the biggest difference in your life and thank them later in your life. Well, yes. half a minor from that practice, right? Cause they were people so, that come to mind when you say that. Yeah. So, yeah. so good to me. And um, Ross Clark and Jim Osborne and Dennis Henson. And there's a bunch of them, but anyway, so I had a great first experience, which we all know is a real uh, tipping point for veterinarians. You can either quit the profession or or, you know, go on happily if depending on that first practice. And so mine was fantastic. Became medical director. I think my film, because I was an assistant director and I ran crews of 150 and all this other stuff, it it gave me a faster track to leadership, just kind yeah. of naturally, because I just manage people a lot. Right. And that's all of veterinary medicine, in my opinion, is managing people. But um, so that that led me to be the the medical director of a practice and I grew that really fast and that our group hospital group uh, joined with another hospital a bunch of other hospitals and started this thing called National Pet Care Centers and so I I left practice and I left practice because of burnout and um, I I can tell you exactly the day that it happened it was about 10 years in um, with a, a client pulls up in my driveway on Mother's Day, had all my grandmas and mother, everybody in my house, they pull up in a van with a bunch of golden retrievers and start unloading them on the driveway and go, we just got back from the dog show. This one needs to be stitched up and this one's got an air infection. And and I left my family and I went to the clinic to fix those dogs. And I left my entire family sitting there at my house having Mother's Day without me. Mm-hmm. And the next day, um, they called and said, hey, we're putting this hospital group together. You know, do you want to be a part of it? I was like, hell yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and I, I do miss practice, but that was kind of a big turning point that I think sure. a lot of us either are going through now or maybe have gone through. And, and there's a lot of guilt when you leave practice. That's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. And then I um, became vice president of operations for them. And we grew to 80 hospitals pretty quickly. VCA uh, purchased us. I went across joined joined VCA and managed um, 22 general and specialty practices mm-hmm. uh, and then moved to their executive team and, and did a lot of things with doctor recruiting yes. and in, 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 in resident placement, but started okay. their corporate okay. university. And I'm going to stop you right there because, because uh, we're going to get into the next part, which uh, becomes um, uh, just the educational platform that you began to be passionate about. But I heard something working with the people, because, you know, this is what I always talk about is that, while veterinary medicine is uh, afloat in intellectual capacity, uh, it struggles in the area of EQ and managing leading people to an effective outcome, uh, uh-huh. in particular, managing process, which is managing people. In fact, many veterinarians get it confused and think that I just need to manage process, forgetting that people are actually the purveyors of process. And so I'm imagining a film crew where it's all about the bottom line, like how fast you get things done, but the quality has to be great. Always on potential for strike or walkout because they're temperamental, they're egotistical, they're all this stuff. It's largely male driven, I'm imagining, um, in the time when you were in it. And mm-hmm. and I, I've watched you with your velvet hammer, as I would call it, uh, you know, uh, manage a group of people. And if I might, 
manage a group of men in particular and the way that you do that. And it's to successful outcomes. And I attribute it to emotional intelligence. But my question for you and for the listener to hear is how important are those soft skills? Uh, and where did you, or where do you get that as a veterinarian if you don't have it? You know, cause I, I think that's what separates the wheat from the chaff. If indeed mm-hmm. you are the wheat. <laughs> I would agree with, I mean, especially if you look at when I was, I had $50 million of revenue as managing for VCA and in hospitals, and it was probably the hardest I ever worked in my entire life, mm-hmm. uh, short of, short of practice. And, and um, it was all people there were, you know, there was buying equipment and mergers and acquisitions, all such stuff. But at the end of the day, Every single thing I did was people, was getting along with people or trying to let people feel like they had a say in the direction they were going. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was just, a, it was people. So I think it's the by far the biggest skill that will lead to success because the same thing translates to your clients, right? You're going to, you're going to talk, talk, talk to a client about a procedure or whatnot. You still have to have those skills to be able to give them a reason why they should trust you in a short, mm-hmm. short period of time and why it seems like you have their best interest at heart. And I think mm-hmm. our employees are the same way. They want to know that you, they can trust you and you have their best interest at heart. And, mm-hmm. and all of this, honestly, Sean goes back to, to movies because managing or doing those 17 years of trying to get big name actors, there's crew people who are, who are not nice, you know, or what, and there's right. actors who are fantastic, right. but trying to adapt myself to what they needed to hear at the moment to get out of that trailer and come to the set in the pouring rain. <laughs> it really was a, a life lesson that worked well. And to do that, it, it's like seeing a lot of cases in veterinary medicine. You have to deal with a lot of people yep. and be okay with the outcome of that. Um, I, my favorite thing is in veterinary medicine, my team would like, oh, I hate that client was this, or I hate that client or that client's in it. And I'd say, if we can make that client happy, we can make anybody happy. Mm-hmm. So let's make a game out of this mm-hmm. and let's try to get Mrs. Smith, you know, happy. And, and I'm not talking about someone who's abusive to your team or someone, right, that right, needs right. but I'm talking about if someone's just cranky, if we can please them, we can please anyone. And making a game of that with my team, I think really helped our whole entire my team as in practice feel like, oh, well, we're going to buckle down now there mm-hmm. and make it fun. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that, that led to, I think, a lot of the skills I learned in managing practices and so on. And your mindset too, because, you know, we talk a lot about the, you know, so we think, so we feel, so we behave. And so I've, I've seen you get mad and I've heard you get mad. And I, you know, I know you have feelings and that you, you have the, you experience the full spectrum of, of being a person. Uh, however, you're much better at this than I am. And, and yet you're able to conjure up some, I've sat with you in board meetings where you're able to conjure up some positiveness, even though almost everybody else is stuck in, I'll dare say it, male ego. And, you know, you know, uh, I, my idea is better than yours. And, you know, conversations that are circular because people won't let go of their opinion. You have had the capacity or the ability to manage those tough talks. And so is that the ability to be positive and to bring that to the table? Is that just a gift or is that something that you, because I want to, our listeners often think that there's magic around this and I, and sometimes mm-hmm. there is. So for you, 
is it magic or was it a almost like a skill that you developed? Yeah, yeah, I do. And and, okay. and honestly, it just struck me and I'm I'm just how it comes, but honestly, I think it's kind of a survival technique, right? To be positive, because I think you you and I have had similar, but we've never really gone back into deep backgrounds or anything, mm-hmm. but but I mean I think it wasn't always great, right? Yeah. You've and, heard my story a lot. Yeah. 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 And, and I think um, part of the survival technique is you can either become bitter and angry or you can become optimistic and think, well, that's just that's leading me to a better place. And I just mm-hmm. got became fortunate enough to take that second path instead yes. of first path. Yes. Wow. It, it just chills again because, you know, I think that one of the things I'm learning is I reflect on my own life, having small children, because I think small children make you reflect on your own life. Uh, And, you know, the stage of my life, which is at the zenith or the downward trend of my career, if you will, is that success defined as success by the individual often is an outcome of difficult times. And, And that rarely, and it happens, but rarely do even nepotistic babies, if you will, feel successful or feel, you know, that, 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 that feeling of success sometimes is attributed to, I think, people that get through the struggle. And so I, I appreciate that. I'm reading Barbara Streisand's um, uh, memoir right now, as all good gay men should do. And, um, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's not what I expected. It's so she talks a lot about what you're talking about, a woman of a certain age trying to manage men and egos and the survival skills that she developed when all she really wanted to do was just create art, you know, and, and everything else was just that she had to kind of get through to get to the end. And she developed these skills. So, um, fascinating. Women, I'll say this and I can get off in a down a rabbit hole really quickly. So you have to stop me, but I will That's say okay. it's my podcast. That, we can go down rabbit holes. <laughs> that, that women in veterinary medicine, women in general, but women in companies, me at VCA, it was definitely a boys club. Um, yes. Nice guys. But, you know, I got a coach. I got a coach in LA um, basically to help me be better at figuring out what, how, how to get a seat at the table. Wow. And the, this was revolutionary for me. And I would recommend it to anybody if you can find find the right person to do that. But what this person did is basically, and it was a group, it's called Advancing Women Executives in LA. Ooh. And they, they gave me a coach and my coach basically went through and found all the ways that I sabotaged my own success in a male-dominated boardroom and brought that to light. And I was like, you know, it wasn't, well, they won't let me do this. It was like, well, Jill, you're running in there every time in the meeting, getting water for all these guys. Like mm-hmm. you've already set yourself up. That's a small example. Yes, but yeah. And acting when, like and, women and, have been trained to do. Yeah. Right. And so everybody sits and looks at me and I go get them. I serve them water. Well, that just naturally puts you in a different light. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I stopped that That's many examples, but right. the things that they taught me about myself are very true of a lot of women, especially women mm-hmm. veterinarians, I think in mm-hmm. how we try to be all things. We try to prove that we're great before we ask for anything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a man will go and say, um, Hey, you know, I'm planning to do this and I'm going to reshape the company this way. Give me hundred thousand dollar raise and that and they'll go, Oh, great. Sounds like a great plan. A woman will go do it, create all the things that, that they've done on their same salary and their same 
title mm-hmm. that they've always had mm-hmm. and then go ask humbly, could you just give me something for that? Yes. And it's, it's just, it's, it's ingrained in us. So finding a coach to take, to take me and say, okay, Jill, let's look at your, here's what you're doing. You know, our uh, CEO comes, the CEO comes by and go, Hey, you want to go to lunch? Oh, I'm so busy. I'm taking care of all, I mean, doing all this work for you, you know, mm-hmm. they go find the next guy and off they go to lunch. And they figure out all the strategy of the company and they come back and tell me what I'm supposed to do with it. So right. um, I would say that there is hope and women veterinarians especially need to understand or try to understand how we are hurting ourselves Mm -hmm. and get past that because, you know, we are women, it's a female dominated industry with a male dominated leadership. Okay. Let's, um, let's, if you will, will you commit to maybe doing another podcast with me and we'll do it like a VGP special, but just a a look at women in the profession and strategies for, because I can relate to this in some ways as a gay man, but I can also relate to the privilege of maleness. Uh, Like I carry some of the traits of both like this imposter feeling, like if they, if they know that I'm gay and I always out myself, but they're, I always think that they're thinking something negative about me because that is like, I got to prove to the boys that I really belong there. Yet at the same time, I'm quite guilty of automatically just assuming that I can do it, (laughs) that um, I should be given that opportunity and get out of my way because I want to do this and let me do it. And that has served me well. And I don't think that the same thing would happen to women. So anyway, I think it'd be, a, no, we'll do it. We'll do it. All right. So back to, so you and I met and uh, fast forward folks. Um, I became one of the co-founders of uh, thrive veterinary healthcare and uh, Jill's uh, uh, then, then husband. Yes. Uh, Dr. Dr. Uh, Bob Murtaugh uh, was one of my first hires, uh, the chief medical officer and chief operations officer and Jill and Bob moved to uh, Austin, Texas from Southern California. And Jill started this thing called ignite after uh, starting at VCA, what they call Woof You. And that's how I first professionally got involved with Jill. So what is Woof You and how did that morph into Ignite? And and obviously, well, you tell the story. It's a passion of yours. What 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 made you? Yeah, so, so VCA yeah. was 25 years old, had 24,000 plus learners, had no formal way to educate their, their employee base. And so uh, myself and an individual, uh, Diana Wynn, started Wolf U. We created it. Wolf, of course, was their stock ticker number before they went uh, back mm-hmm. private mm-hmm. and um, created this university from scratch, really. There was some legacy content, but we really started it from scratch. Mm-hmm. And it was it was widely successful, got all kinds of awards out inside and outside of the veterinary space. Um, and it taught me so much because we're 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 trying to make a material difference in the lives of the kennel kid who's is still in high school and a triple boarded specialist, right? So you're running mm-hmm. the gamut of the way people mm-hmm. learn and how they sure. how they can learn and retain. And um, loved it. It is just really the most exciting, really part of my life because so much difference can come from education. It, you know, I mean, you can really change your life. You can do anything mm-hmm. you want to do if you just learn mm-hmm. how to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the reason I, I left, I mean, we were coming to, to Austin, uh, uh, Bob and I were moving to Austin, and I'd, I'd always wanted to do this. And Jason Troutwine, um, we were at dinner with you, and mm-hmm. he said, 
what have you always wanted to do in your life? And I described this thing called Ignite. And he said, well, why don't you go do that? Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then sometime later, that's all I could think about, Sean. Like I could only think about Ignite, this thing. And so I started it in 2016, really thinking about bringing high-end education to independent veterinary hospitals. So, you know, VC had big budget. We had 10 instructional designers, all this stuff. But the, the guy at the street corner veterinary hospital doesn't have the ability to do that. So how could I bring that to them? And so that was the real impetus for that, um, was trying to, to, to bring it to the masses and, and make it have an impact in our whole profession. And what is the mission of, is that the mission, what you just said, to try and ignite the profession mm-hmm. and elevate levels of education in the profession, correct? Yes, and, and patient outcomes. I think a bit of a big a bit of my um, that's my dog. That's all right. Friendly <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but, but you know, it's some of those. Like I said, it's guilt. You leave practice, and I and I think um, part of the mission is how can we impact patient outcomes and people in a more significant way than I could in my veterinary practice. Okay. Right, a single mm-hmm. person. So mm-hmm. I can. I can impact the patient care. I can impact more animals, more clients, and more people by educating a big swath of people than I ever could just as my day-to-day in my practice. And so um, that's really the, that was really the genesis of it. And, and uh, you know, you and I both are wired to try to change the world. And so this was, this was my way to get that kicked off. And so what's the scale and scope of Ignite now in terms of uh, platforms, things it offers, uh, who, who and how many people it reaches? So we have a new platform. Um, we've got a lot of new content. We're getting into programs uh, like our veterinary reception certificate of excellence has got almost 4,000 students on that. I know. And that's, I'm just way up as an evangelist for, for CSRs. Um, we're starting a new one for, for veterinary assistants new to the industry, IVAP. And um, our real future looking thing, what we're working on is point of care tools. So we want to make learning, which we already have these we, our first ones that's to launch. It's going to be called Life Raft and it's for technicians. And it's going to be an app in your pocket where you can look up short videos on how to do anything. You can speak to specialists. You can you mm-hmm. have this incredible resource library where you can tap into and get client handouts mm-hmm. in any language that you want to disseminate those to. A and you can look up diagnostic paths. You can do calculators for your drug doses. But what I'm trying to do is make sure that long chain learning is great, but our people in this day and age need in their pocket a reference yes. that they can trust to get that patient cared for now and not wait for Dr. Smith to get out of exam room while the dog's under anesthesia. Or not have to go see a YouTube video. Yeah. Right, right, a YouTube video, which, is exactly- which, which has been very helpful, but it's a really big platform, yeah. Yeah, and and we also have a, a agreement with a great company called PetPath. That's a client um, home care. Uh, it's, a, it's a really cool um, app that lets people I get done with my my dog's surgery and I sign up to this and I'm able to to basically every day get information from my veterinarian specific to the home care for this this pet that I just took on that I'm scared to death I'm going to hurt after the surgery and um, really gives me some confidence on there lets me communicate back or send pictures of this incision that doesn't look good whatnot back to the veterinarian and I think it's going to take a big big load off the practices so that so really point of care is the future. Um, but in right now, meat and potatoes, we're just making sure every role in the hospital has something 
wonderful to move them forward. Gotcha. I, I think, you know, I'm familiar with the product and I'm uh, gratefully um, a guest sometimes uh, on the platforms. And, but I would say to the layman out there, and when I say layman, people that are in veterinary medicine, but, uh, you know, aren't actively a part of management, that the goal of Ignite uh, is to bring all things improving a veterinary hospital <laughs> to your door. Think about it when, we, when somebody says to you, I don't know how to do this. Said, well, Google it. Well, it's kind of the same thing. I don't know how to do this. Well, you know, ignite it. You know, look at look at ignite from how to have this conversation to how to wrap this pack to to what does it cost to build this to how do I talk to a CSR about giving them a rate? I mean, any all of us and yourself included had scenarios where we had to go ask somebody and it slows down the process. And in this era of instant gratification, you're right. In most progressive businesses, employees are now used. The norm is all of the answers are at their hands. They just have to be trained in what answers do the client need in what scenario. And so Ignite is that for veterinary professionals. And congratulations, because you really have um, hit a home run with Ignite and uh, you are changing the profession. What is the what is the impact and future aspirations for Ignite? Like where where do you see this going now? What's the next iteration and step? Well, you know, for the, the, the home base or the most the thing that's super important to us is community, a safe place for like-minded people by job role again, because we I'll tell you why that in a second, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where they can come and share ideas and, and whatnot. And just, it's just, um, so community will always be a part of it. And then, like I said, I think future is really continuing to build on that and the content to make sure that it meets, meets people where they are, which is, mm -hmm. which is probably point of care in some cases, in some cases they want to learn a, a big concept. And so we do those programmatic, you know, mm -hmm. more long chain ones. Mm -hmm. But, you know, community and Ignite is really interesting and it's it's very intentional. There's no we don't let people put happy birthdays or, you know, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And there's there's really no snarkiness. It's not social media. Yeah, it's not social media. It's professional media. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's yeah. and um, we've just been so fortunate to continue to build those communities. And because it seems sort of anonymous, even though your name's on there, it mm -hmm. doesn't feel like your VMA or someone in your hospital people with 35 years experience in as a practice owner feel comfortable saying, gosh, I've been, I've been in this industry a long time. I've never, never been comfortable to ask what EBITDA was. Can right. someone be through that comfortably without chastising mm -hmm. me or making me feel small? And they, everyone jumps in there and tries to help. So I think making sure that we maximize the community aspect and then provide content and, and resources when, when and where people want to use it. You said something earlier and I'll highlight this, you know, when I talked about Ignite assisting all areas of practice, a more defined version of that is role specific, because I think okay. the funnel of education used to be through the owner and or main doctor and practice manager, if they were lucky enough to have one or big enough to have one. And then it dispersed out to individuals through those filters, which were not always filters that had clear vision, of what was happening in those roles. So expand on the role specific stuff and why that's unique and important. Yeah. Uh, so we in veterinary medicine, we're just so fond of basically we made this for the veterinarian, you know, lunch and learn or whatever. Maybe it's really for the veterinarian, but I hope that CSR gets 10% of it. She can kind of figure it out. Mm -hmm. And that's horrible. And one thing that we did at VCA is we started role specific training and it was like lightning in a bottle that because when you say a concept in someone's 
it's it's also part of the forgetting curve and so many adult learning principles in neuroscience. Mm-hmm. But basically, when we put it in terms that they think that was me today at my desk, yes, then they remember it and then they synthesize that and then they're able to actually take action on that. When I say oh, this, really for this other person, but good luck with you. You don't. It just it's useless. Yeah, it's like useless. meeting a person that you know you'll never meet again. You you don't even yeah. that you don't take time to uh, register. Don't know what it, and then the same thing in the communities, we've made that a safe place because the second I put a practice manager in the CSR community, CSRs quit talking because mm-hmm. they're worried that they're going to say something or appear stupid mm-hmm. or their manager might. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they're not talking about their manager. That's right. the thing I want to just reassure practice managers right. when they're in there, they're asking questions and being vulnerable. Yes. And so having it role specific and putting some in, intention to it and keeping guardrails on it, I think really helps people be their authentic self. Yeah. and really try yeah. to ask questions yeah. that they need answers to and not be feel like they're being shamed or you know beat up like Facebook does it's just it's terrible so that's that was our intention and, and we've had some just incredible response um how did you make the shift from uh, part of your success as I look at it has been moving from corporate to more entrepreneurial, (laughs) you know? And so how did you make that shift? And was it a hard one to make? Because I think there are a lot of frustrated veterinarians out there who need to be entrepreneurs, you know, like not everybody is set up to work for somebody or, or vice versa. So what was that transition like for you? Just very scary because I had this job that I could have stayed in for the rest of my life, quite mm-hmm. honestly, that mm-hmm. had lots of prestige to it that was just really cool. I was learning stuff all the time. I had big budgets to try things, mm-hmm. but I just had this burning desire to do this other thing. And um, it, it, it wasn't that bad. Like, you know, I, it was scary at first. I think mm-hmm. as long as you're prepared and I would, I, there's been um, several people that I've interacted with who are, who've made, who are, or have been making the jump from corporate to this that I've talked to and kind of mentored through, because as long as you're organized and you have a plan, it can, it's possible. And it's the best thing in the world. If you're meant to be an entrepreneur, when you become an entrepreneur, this is the first time I've owned my own business in realistically, other than like stall cleaning business or something. Right, 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 right. Uh-huh. The first one, and it's absolutely wonderful to be mm-hmm. able to control every aspect of it and to make it in your image and to do, you know, like we just partnered with not one more vet and that's something we can do because I want to do it, you know? And so I think that's where the rewards are greater than the risk, but you just have to jump, you know, you just have to jump and find a mentor or two that you can get some help you to take some shortcuts and not make mistakes that they made. Right. Just to give you a little bit of advantage. Have there been people, you alluded to it, but who are the people or what qualities do the people have in your life that inspired you on this journey to success? Because, uh, and before you answer that, what is your definition of success and how did those people help you define that? Because I think I sometimes forget to actually ask that question. What is your definition of success and 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 how did people mo- help, what people were influential in helping you get there? You, if you'd asked me this years ago, I would have told you something completely different. But oh, okay. today... Today, my success is just doing good things that have a lasting impact on this profession. Period. End of story. If if someday, like by the time this airs, 
hopefully my uh, we're, we're we're building a thing called the North American Association of Veterinary Receptionists, the first of its kind association with a voice to give a voice to veterinary receptionists with high quality education and a way for them to get credentialed and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I'm dangerously close to that, so I, I think early next year that'll be a thing. But those awesome. are the kinds of things now that I feel are success mm-hmm. are trying to do things that will last beyond me. And mm-hmm. we'll we'll make a difference for people who need a voice that don't have one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, years ago I would have said it'd been money, or you know, I had the corner office, or whatever that might have been, right? But that's that's just not where I am these days. So, you so when I'm into legacy phase, you're legacy. Yeah, phase. I, really I love good. it. I love it. So, six. I feel success when I feel like some of these ideas are coming to fruition. I think. Mm-hmm. And people that been your role me, models, like professionally okay. and personally, if you is as intimate as you want to share. That's up to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, a big one in veterinary medicine is uh, Ross Clark. He's just this mm. amazing human. Clark. I remember and him. And talk about somebody who's positive about everything. I yeah. mean, he's, he makes me look like a pessimist, you know I mean? Mm-hmm. He is so, that's an incredible man, but he was really, uh, I worked for him when I was 11 um, mm-hmm. as a kettle kid when that was, you know, that kind of labor was legal. And, um, mm-hmm. Just a, he's he's been somebody that's always I've looked up to and has inspired me and gave me chances um, throughout. Did he my life. reparent you in some ways? Yeah, he was. Well, you know, we had the same last name as Clark, right? So mm-hmm. when I was working at the clinic, everybody assumed I was his kid, even okay. though I wasn't, right? So yeah. it was even when I was practicing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but but yeah, I mean, he just was a very good role model and somebody who. You could tell truly cared about my direction in life. Mm, that's so important um, for a kid at that age. Yeah. Yeah. And and Jim Osborne, his business partner um, mm-hmm. at that same practice, he's the one actually that I became veterinarian because of that mm-hmm. conversation. Dr. Clark and I are the same generation listeners and we're close in age. So uh, all these people she's she's naming are <laughs> the people that when I first came out of the scene in the early 90s, I was like, oh, my gosh, they're the who's who. They were the presidents of AHA. They're on the board of the AVMA, all this kind of stuff. They were they were kind yeah. of the it people in practice management. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would say Art Anton, um, Art mm-hmm. Bob, both great people. Um, Art just was he was just this incredible person. And when I talk about that journey, that journey as a female and an all male, and it was all male most of the time, he was really my ally, you know, and he looked out for me and he was, he believed in, in me and, and was an incredible cheerleader. So in the veterinary space, those guys, I shoot horses, as you know, so um, I've got some trainers too, that kind of put me into shape when I was younger and, mm-hmm. and probably kept me out of a lot of, bad trouble. <laughs> um, so those, those folks as well, but yeah, that's, those are the ones that jump out right now. And then, you know, honestly, my husband it, mm-hmm. later in life, right. But, mm-hmm. but Bob, you talk about somebody that you cannot ruffle their feathers. That's Bob Murtaugh. Like, you know, yeah. can't do it. He's, um, he's taught me this at this juncture, he's taught me how to be happier giving than taking. Um. And um, it's just been such a gift, right? To mm-hmm. he loves to give to anybody around him his time, his money, his whatever it is, mm-hmm. he will give it. And and he's really influenced me a lot in that way, which I think mm-hmm. has been been really important. I'm thinking of a horse named Bobby Sunshine that a mutual friend of ours has. <laughs> <laughs> and I think of that story. Yeah. Um, if 
you had to go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice, you know, what, what would it be? Hmm, that's such a good question. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it would just be, be kind to, to other people and don't burn any bridges, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, I think I was a bridge burner at one point in my life, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in my teens, early 20s, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think uh, I've, I feel maybe even past that, but um, I feel like had I known, like everybody's going to come back to you at some point in time in some way mm-hmm. and have that in mind, you know? Wow. <laughs> Life lessons, folks, from Dr. Jill Clark. Well, <laughs> Jill, any to anybody who's struggling right now with feeling successful or uh, defining themselves in veterinary medicine, man, woman, anybody, like what advice would you have to them if they need to reset and find some success themselves? So I'm a big uh, planner, Uh big planner. I have a, I know it's paper and that's like so uncool, but um, it's, it's called a passion planner, the one I use, but I started doing um, just writing goals down and every step I needed to reach that goal. Mm -hmm. And it's made me feel so successful because I've made pathway planning, honestly, Sean, that you created is, is kind of the the heart of what I'm talking about here is you can never be successful if you don't know what the steps are to be successful. Right. I mean, you can wish it and you can like, you know, do all your, your vision board, which I believe in that too, and do that. Mm -hmm. But really, until you sit down and say, I want to start a company that never existed that does this thing in adult learning for veterinary people, until you know, well, in order to do that, I've got to learn about learning, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I've got to, and there's baby steps all along the way. And so I think if somebody wants to do anything, anything is possible, but you have to know, you have to accomplish several little tiny things every day in order to to be that success that you want and writing it down is just such a great way to do it because it doesn't seem so big then, you know? And again, I think pathway planning is just genius because it is the, it's that for a hospital. But if you take that same concept for a, for a person who wants to be successful, it would be just as good. That's funny that you say that because uh, my family, we have a little pathway plan, you know, and uh-huh. a, a pathway plan folks is it's a, it's treatment plan for your hospital, but it's a treatment plan for your life is what she's talking about is literally having a life mission statement, a life vision statement, um, a one, three, five year goal. How are you going to break that down into quarterly accomplishments, keeping track of all of that. So having a plan. And I think you you can't get to that place though of having a plan until you have enough confidence in the idea yourself and or are comfortable with the idea of risk. And so that's when we come full circle back to, to EQ. Well, uh, what a fascinating time. I, I wish that we had more time to discuss uh, more topics. Thank you so much, Dr. Joe Clark, uh, for coming on our podcast. Uh, if you don't know about Dr. Joe Clark, you can go to Ignite, uh, their website, and check it out. You can also go to Veterinary Growth Partners, our website, and we have obviously a very close relationship with Ignite. So uh, through our products, you can find Ignite as well. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and um, stay positive, and I'm so glad you're listening to us. Thank you.